another week here, but we're here to worship the living God who has saved us, who has rescued us, and we have a hope and a future in Jesus this morning. So it's great to see you. It's great to have you as part of our family this morning. And, and this morning we're going to come to uh, week three of a series that we've been going through on a Sunday morning, which is all about the Holy Spirit. This series is all about the Holy Spirit. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at who the Holy Spirit is. We, we often see that the Holy Spirit is neglected. He's the, we believe that the Holy Spirit is God. We've seen that the Holy Spirit is a person, that he is a he. It's not an it. It's not a ghost. We believe the Holy Spirit is fully God. He is co-equal with the Father and with the Son. And we've been looking at who the Holy Spirit is because I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit is for the now. He is the God in the now and he wants to work in us through our lives. He wants us to, to take us deeper in God. He wants to reveal Jesus to us and he wants to do incredible things in our lives. And this morning we're going to come to a, a topic that's often debated in many different denominations. Baptists have their own different ideas about it. Pentecostal, Jesus, you know, all these different denominations have argued about this. But but this morning we're going to see what the Bible says, because as I've said over the last few weeks, the Bible is our ultimate truth. It is what we stand on, it is what we live by. And so we want to see what the Bible says about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That is what we're going to be looking at this week and next week, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now many people wonder where the expression to be baptized in the Holy Spirit comes from. Have you ever wondered that? Where does that expression come from, being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, it's interesting that Jesus is the first one to actually say it. And his words are recorded in Acts chapter 1. You know, after Jesus had rose again, after he died on the cross and after he rose again, he was going to ascend into heaven. He was going to ascend into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father. But before he went, he spent many, many days ministering to his disciples, to his closest followers, to encourage them, to help them. He was there to, he was getting them ready. He was giving them some final instructions. And if you've got a Bible, can you turn to Acts chapter 1? Acts chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 4 to 5. And they'll be on, on the screen behind us. But Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 5. And we read it from the uh, NIV translation. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 5. And this is what Jesus says. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, Jesus, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said there, and he was referring to them, he was talking to them here, and he was referring to what he had said to them around the la at the Last Supper. In John chapter 14, verse 15 to 18, this is what he told disciples before he went to the cross. He says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to so Jesus had spent a lot of time encouraging his disciples. He knew, Jesus knew, that after he rose again, he was going to ascend into heaven. And he didn't want to leave the disciples on their own. Now the disciples, they would have been with Jesus for, for those three and a half years. They would have been with him. They would have seen him do these incredible things. And I'm sure that they would have been concerned, anxious, and worried. What was going to happen now? Jesus was going to ascend 
with, to, to be with the Father. What was going to happen? But Jesus was encouraging them and teaching them, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You're not going to be alone in this world, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, who is me, who is God, the Spirit of Jesus, who's going to be with you. And so he spent a bit of time teaching them about this as the day drew close. And you know, I want to encourage you this morning, even in your own private devotions, I encourage you to spend some time reading through John chapter 14 to 17 to learn about how Jesus, is, how he teaches on the Holy Spirit, what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit. And you know, I've done that over the last few days. It's incredible. Jesus is on teaching about the Holy Spirit. And we haven't got time to do that over the next few weeks, but I'd encourage you to do that over the next few in your private devotion. Look at John 14 and 17 to learn more about what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said that I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And here in Acts chapter 1, we've seen, he said, in a few days, when I ascend into heaven, when I ascend to go to be with my Father, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, I believe with all my heart that, that when we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, he brings new life into our relationship with God. You know, when I received the Holy Spirit, when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit at 18 years old, I, as I've said before, I came along to the church all my life. I made a decision at six years old when my father read the gospel to me. But I grew up in this church. But you know, and I came along week in, week out. But what totally transformed my walk with the Lord was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I received a new life. I had a new passion for God. I had a new hunger to read God's word. I knew, I began to sense what God was calling me to do, why God had placed me on this earth. And it all happened when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage each and every one of you this morning. Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to encourage you, keep seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Keep seeking the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled every day with the Holy Spirit. We need His power. We need His life every day. Especially in the world in which we're living in. We need His strength in and through our lives. But maybe you've come here this morning and you haven't received the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to encourage you to pursue a relationship with Him as part of your relationship every day of your life. So how can we define this term, baptized with the Holy Spirit, or being baptized in the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, the, the word baptized essentially means to immerse. It means to be totally immersed. Like when you're going in the water, when you've been dunked under the water, you're fully in. You're being fully clothed. Or another word, that, and another description that people said, we're being fully clothed with the Holy Spirit. We do. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit, it means that we're being fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. Now, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's an infilling experience. It takes place when we open up our lives to God without reservation. You know, at 18 years old, I realized there's got to be more to this relationship with Jesus. There's got to be more. It can't just be coming along to church and just reading your Bible because you have to read your Bible because my parents are telling me to do it or, or just singing songs. There's got to be more to this walk with God. God's got to have more for my life. And I realized that what I was missing was the Holy Spirit. I needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes as an infilling experience when we open up our lives and say, God, would you fill me? I need you. I want more of you. I hunger and I thirst after you. And when we open up our lives, and when we seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when we worship Him and we seek that, God sends the Holy Spirit and He comes and He immerses us, He baptizes us, He fills us to overflowing. You know, that's what happened. I was, I was sitting in our room just there and I began to praise the Lord and I was seeking, and I remember Pastor Rob, he was encouraging us just to worship Jesus, to lift up Jesus. And as I began to worship, as I began to center my heart on Jesus, I was thankful for who He is, for all He's done. 
began to sense God's presence. And it was like a river, and it was almost like a bubbling up. It was like I was being filled up, like a cup being filled up. And all of a sudden, I began to, it just began to overflow out of my mouth, words and words as I began to worship him, speaking in tongues. That's what happened. I encourage you to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, our spirits become alive to the supernatural. When we baptize in the Holy Spirit, we become alive to the things of God. We begin to discover God's plan, and we begin to understand and see what God is doing in our lives. If you come here this morning, and maybe you've become complacent, and you're a little bit fed up with your walk with God so far, I encourage you, seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord to fill you afresh because it will take you to a new level in God. You'll have a new hunger. You'll have a new desire to seek Him. You'll know Him in a greater way. And not only that, you'll begin to see God do incredible things in and through your life. The Holy Spirit comes to work in and through our lives. And you'll begin to see God do things that you never thought would happen in and through your life. You'll see doors opening. You'll see opportunities come that you never had before. I encourage you, seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, as I said, uh, in this series, we're going to focus a lot of our time in the book of Acts. Because in, in the book of Acts, that's where we see the Holy Spirit really first come in onto the scene. He's in the Old Testament. He's right the way throughout the Bible. But we see him moving and acting primarily, first of all, in the book of Acts. Uh, we're going to look at a few different accounts. We're not going to read all these passages, don't worry. There's four different accounts. We're not going to read them all. But we see four different occasions, four different times when... That we see the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And as we look at these four different situations with lots of different people, we see that there's a lot of similarities in the back to do with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So first of all, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 to 4. And this is the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was first outpouring, the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. And it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That's the disciples. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The next account we're going to look at is Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and we're going to read verse 14, 17. And this is a revival that takes place in Samaria. God moving and, and many unsaved people coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. But Acts chapter 8, and verse 14 to 17. And it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. You see, it's a, it's a priority. The apostles said that they realized that the, those who belong to Jesus, they needed the Holy Spirit. It's vital. They longed to see that every person who comes to know Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. The next account we see in Acts chapter 10. At the house of Cornelius. Acts chapter 10, and verse 44 to 48. And Peter, he'd been preaching about Jesus, about his death and his resurrection. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all 
obscured the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus, be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. We see here that there's believers who are saved to come to know Jesus, and they want them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And finally, Acts chapter 19 and verse 1 to 7. Acts 19, verse 1 to 7. And this is Paul, and as he arrives in this great city of Ephesus. And it says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now, when we study the book of Acts, when we study, if you want to study these passages more in detail, then I'll put the notes up for this message on, on our website. But if you study these four passages in more detail, we see that there's six things that we need to know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Six things that are key as you begin to really study these about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now this morning, don't panic. Don't be alarmed. I know you've got your dinners on. We're only going to look at one this morning. We're going to look at the first one. We're not going to go through all six. But we're going to look at the first uh, thing we need to know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I want to make it clear this morning that these six things are not in any particular order. I haven't put them in order of importance. But these are just six things that we see to do with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So we'll come on to the other five next week and it'll be a lot quicker. Don't worry about it. But this morning we're going to come just to the first one. And that is when we see when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we see in these four accounts, first of all, there was an overwhelming inbreaking of God's presence felt by all. God's presence was felt by all. It was felt by all. Notice there's a few key words that we read in those passages in Acts. Suddenly, sound, saw, fell, heard. All these things happened. In other words, we can see something big was happening. And it was obvious to every single person that was there. Not just the believers, not just the Jewish believers, not those who weren't Jews and believed in Jesus. It was evident to everyone who was there. Something big was happening. Something out of the ordinary was happening. And this is a really important point for us. That God's presence can be experienced and can be felt. God's presence is something that can be experienced and felt. God's presence isn't just something that we talk about or preach about at church. It's something that we can experience and feel in our relationship with God. Now last week we looked at what distinguishes the Holy Spirit as a person. And we see that the Holy Spirit, he has a mind, he has a will, and he has emotions. Now in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, the Bible tells us that we were created in the image of God. So we have these same abilities as well. We have a mind. We have a will. We have emotions. We 
feel sorrow, don't we? We feel joy. We feel pain. We feel freedom. We feel and experience many other emotions because we've been created in the image of our God. That's how our God feels. You can read, see it in the Bible. He's not a rigid God. He's a God with emotions. But not only does, do we feel all these things, and not only do we have emotions, but it's important in how we relate to our God as well. You know, I, I don't think I'd be, keep coming if I, I realized that God wasn't a God who wanted to relate with me or God wanted to encounter me. I couldn't just come along and just sit preaching and just listen to somebody speak without encountering God. I wouldn't want to follow a God who is distant and just somebody who would fill my mind, something that I'd fill my mind. I want to encounter God with all that I am. I want to experience God. I thank God that we can know and we can encounter and feel and experience His presence. David wrote in Psalm 16, verse 11, You have made known to me the path of life. Listen to this. You, fill, you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So when we're in God's presence, we'll experience some emotions, joy. We'll experience peace. We'll experience wholeness because that is the God in which we serve. In other words, what David is saying is that we, when we come into God's presence, we can feel his presence. We can know his presence. It's not just something that we talk about. Isn't that incredible this morning? That our God is not a distant God. He's a God who's drawn near to us. But he's also a God who's not just up in heaven. He's a God who's come amongst all these things. And we can encounter him. Here and now we can feel it. We can experience him. We can know him even here and now. Now I know there's some here this morning who've caution on emotionalism. You might say, yeah, Pastor Luke, that's great. We can feel him. We want to experience him in our emotions. We want to know that. So don't get carried away. We're not we're not fanatical, we're not going to go crazy with our emotions. And I want to encourage you that even if you are a new believer, don't get carried away with your emotions. You know, there is nothing wrong, however, in feeling emotions in our relationship with God. We feel that, don't we? How many of you have ever felt joy in your relationship with God? How many of you have ever experienced sorrow and pain and felt the presence of God and the peace of God and the comfort of God? There is nothing wrong with feeling emotions. And if we come to church and we say there is something wrong uh, and we say that we can't experience God and we can't encounter God, then something is wrong. Let's close the doors because we don't believe in that type of God. We believe that our God is a God who wants to encounter us and we can experience him and we can feel that as part of our relationship with him. You know, in the dictionary, emotionalism is defined as a tendency to place too much value on emotions. So in other words, emotionalism is when we place too much value on emotion, when we get a bit carried away, when we get too excited, when we get too joyful, when we get too sorrowful, it's placing too much value on emotion. And this is extreme. And we should stay away from emotionalism. We should stay away from going crazy. But that doesn't mean we have to avoid emotion altogether. You know, I'm not sure where that idea came from that in our relationship with God, we have to stop our emotions as well. I don't know where that came from. I believe that. That's probably a lie from the enemy because we all experience that. We're made in the image of our God. We experience that. We don't have to push our emotions to the side when we encounter our God. And you know, that's an extreme approach as well. You know, sometimes we can get too carried away with our emotions to make a spectacle of ourselves, to make ourselves look better. We say we're being baptized in the Holy Spirit and we're just trying to get our attention for ourselves. That's wrong. But it's also wrong to say that we can't have emotions when we encounter God. You know, if you read stories of the revival, the great revivals that have happened, the Welsh revival, you see that there's people weeping as they come into God's presence. And it was only because God was convicting them of their sin 
those people dancing with joy because they realize God has saved them from their sin. So if we avoid emotion altogether, then something goes wrong. <coughs> but we shouldn't just focus solely on our emotional relationship with God. And neither should we focus on just an intellectual relationship with God. It's just our emotions with God. You know, something that I've taught, and I thank God for this truth, and it's something that I've seen throughout the years, is that balance is always the key. Balance is always the key. We're made in God's image, and we are to relate to God with all that we are. If you don't believe me on that one, read Mark chapter 12, verse 13. This is what Jesus said. Love the Lord God with love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus was saying, look, we need to love him with all that we are. Our emotions, our mind, with everything within us. We need to love our God. We can love our God. Many of us can just come to church and we can feel like we're going to just worship God. And that's it. But we're missing out on so much because we're to love him with all that we are. With everything that we are, with our whole being, we're to praise the Lord. We're to give glory and honor to him. We're made in, our, in his image. And our emotions, they're part of our soul. You know, so when we're loving him, we're instructed to love him with all that we are. With our emotions, with our mind, with all that we are. You know, in 1 Corinthians, we see, however, there were some Christians there. They were getting a bit carried away with this emotion and, and to do with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They were getting a bit carried away because they thought that when they baptized in the Holy Spirit, they, they could begin acting in a certain way. They, begin, they began to get a little bit out of control. And they were finding it a bit difficult to live out the Spirit-filled life. But you know what's interesting? We can judge the church of these believers in Corinth and say they were getting a bit crazy. They were getting a bit carried away. You know, sometimes I think, I'd love to see that maybe. It's a good thing to correct people on getting a bit too over than not stepping up in God at all. I'd love for that. That'd be incredible. You know, we want to create this, as a church, we want to provide a safe place for people to encounter God, to be baptized in God. It's a safe place. We want that to happen. And, and we see here they were getting a bit carried away and a bit excited about operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some of them were prophesying too much. Some were speaking in tongues. But Paul came along to bring balance to instruct them, to teach them, so that they wouldn't get carried away, and so that they would bring glory and honor to God in how they moved in the Holy Spirit. And there's a really interesting passage that I hadn't really noticed until I was studying for this, and it's 1 Corinthians 14, verse 32 to 33. And it sums up how we are to maintain balance. It's on the screen behind us. It says, The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. I've heard that, that God is a God of order and not of peace. He's not a God of disorder, but he's a God of peace. But it's interesting, the spirits of, pro of the prophets are subject to control, the control of the prophets. In other words, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, yes, we'll experience God. Yes, there'll be a joy. Yes, there'll be emotions involved. But it's interesting here that what the Bible is teaching us is that the person is the one who is in control of the emotions and not the gift, not the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the person who's in control. Paul's point here, he's basically saying is that when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we don't lose control. We don't lose control. We don't go crazy and we say, oh yeah, that's definitely a sign of someone's being baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's saying when the Holy Spirit is in our lives, we don't go crazy and wild that would scare people. But we are responsible for keeping our own spirit under control. Yes, we experience joy. Yes, we experience happiness. Yes, we experience fullness of life. Yes, we want to praise. Yes, we want to get excited. 
But that doesn't mean we get out of control and go crazy with it. We are the ones who are in control. And we're in control of our own spirit. Because it says this, that we know that God's ways are evil. And nature of order and control. We've got to turn off those thoughts. So if you begin to see people who are filled, beginning to be filled with the Holy Spirit and they're running around, they're barking, they're crying, they're screaming, they're shouting, and they're going wild, then you can know that, 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 that something's not right there. Because they need to be brought in and reigned in and say, there's got to be a balance that will bring glory and honor to God. You know, God is a God not of disorder and of confusion or overly emotional or weird behavior. You know, it's sad to see that Christians can ruin that for other Christians and for those who are trying to find Christ. People long to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They hear about the Holy Spirit, but then other Christians, because they don't have any control, they start acting in a crazy way and it puts other people off. But I want us to know this morning that the Bible teaches us that operating in the Holy Spirit, it's not a twilight zone type of experience. It's not crazy. It's not weird. It's in order. It's in control. We don't have to act irrational. We don't have to shout and scream. We don't have to do weird things. But yes, we can rejoice. Yes, we can cry. Sometimes we will cry because we feel the convicting power of God. Sometimes we can cry because we know that God is all around us, that we find God is on our side. But that doesn't mean we go crazy with it. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not dark and scary. You know, even growing up, I thought it was. I viewed things, not in the church, but I viewed things as strange. You know, and even going to other places, you could see things. You see things on TV, don't you? And you think, someone's not right here. I don't want that. If that's the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I don't want nothing to do with that. But that's not right because our God is a God of order. He's a God of love. He's a God of emotions, but he's not a God of disorder. And he's not there to scare us. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not a scary or dark experience. And how could it, how could it be? Because our God is full of life. He's full of life. He is peaceful. He is stable. He is consistent. So when you see people going crazy, you've got to think, is that really it? Is that really the baptism in the Holy Spirit? We have to test everything by the word of God. We have to test everything by the word of God. And so I want to encourage some people as we come to a conclusion this morning. That is the first thing that we're going to look at. And we see even in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we see it in these other accounts. Yes, people might feel it's a little bit strange. It's not chaotic. It's not disorderly. God's in control. It is God's spirit who's working inside our lives. It is God's spirit in our lives who's peaceful and stable. And so next week we're going to look at the next five things to do with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They're quick things, don't worry. So you don't have to panic. You don't have to worry. But five things you can learn about the Holy Spirit. And I, I believe with all of my heart that the Lord wants to encourage someone here this morning. He's encouraging me. I believe he wants to encourage someone here this morning. And I'd be scared. And I'd be frightened. Not to shy away from the Holy Spirit, but just open up your life to the Holy Spirit. Allow Him to move in your life. Allow Him to fill you. Allow Him to take you to that next level of your relationship with God. I'm desperate for. I, I long to know God more and more. I want to be on fire for God more and more. I want to know Him in a greater way. I want to be sharing more and more. But in order for me to do that, I realize I need the Holy Spirit in my life every single day, not just on a one-off occasion, every single day. And I want to encourage you to open up your life to him, to ask him to fill you. And I want to encourage you as well, and I believe the Lord wants to encourage us, to open up every part of our life to him. Not just say, Holy Spirit, you have control of my life. The Holy Spirit, you have control of my world. Take control of my life so that Jesus would be glorified. Because that's what it's all about. Jesus, the Holy Spirit has come to glorify Jesus in and through our lives. 
Maybe there's someone here this morning, you're afraid to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit because of what you've seen, what you've experienced in the past, or maybe what you feel. But I'm here to tell you, the Bible encourages us, and I want to encourage us, our God is a God of order, not disorder. It's not a scary God or a weird God. He's a stable God, a consistent God, a loving God, who knows you, who created you in His image. Don't be afraid this morning. Take a look at your heart for a minute. Ask Him what's bugging you, and empower you again so that you're aware of Him. As I said, the baptism in the Holy Spirit completely transformed my walk with Jesus. Many of you might think I'm being, I'm a weird guy, but I can tell you it's not weird. It's for our empowerment, it's for our good, and ultimately it's to bring glory and honor to God. He transformed my walk with Jesus. And he's continuing to transform my walk with Jesus. And he can do it through you as well this morning. Open up your life to him. Don't be afraid. Step out. Open up your life. Seek him. And he will fill you and you will know him in a greater way. Amen. Can we pray?